This episode is sponsored by Bigger City. Thank you so much for supporting us and helping our show to grow. Welcome to the Big Fat Gay Podcast, where we talk about the things that are weighing on our minds. My name is Dan Oliverio, author, public speaker, and chubby chaser. And today I am a post-Thanksgiving, very giving, gifted, sated podcast boy. Um, I just, just very happy that we had a so, so wonderful Thanksgiving, which if you listen to our Patreon, you'll hear us talk all about. Uh, yes. But yes, it was, it was, it was one of the better uh, cooked meals, thanks to my wonderful, intelligent husband. Yes. That's me. I'm Trevor Kizan. I'm a super chub and I was, I was cooking up a storm. Uh, I was worried about things, but I had that, that moment where it's everything came out of the oven at the same time <laughs> and it was all perfect. The, I did a sweet potato casserole for the first time and it had a perfect, like the, the marshmallows got perfectly browned and <laughs> there like was crunch. shattered, yeah, <laughs> shattered when you cut into them. It was a great time and we're nice. Working our way through leftovers. As one of our guests said, it was the first time he ever understood the purpose of marshmallows on a sweet potato casserole. Oh, that's nice. Uh, hi, my name is Michael Willer. I'm a chubby chaser, and uh, I, I'm in that sort of perfect post-Thanksgiving comatose state, even though it's been three days, four, three and a half days. Um, I may have eaten my more than my share of leftovers on the way out the door because <laughs> so, I traveled for Thanksgiving. So um, I'm definitely feeling the itis. Today's it's going to be a very chill weekend. Let's put it that way. Matt, Michael t- channeling his inner Tupperware. <laughs> All of this needs to get on the plane and I don't want to you know, carry anything. I tucked it into my cheeks and, you know, just save it for later. Hey there, my name's Don. I'm a big chubby guy living here in sunny Hollywood. And today I am a st- well-stuffed stuffing boy. I, uh, I I was underwhelmed by the stuffing offerings, and Thanksgiving is a stuffing holiday, damn it. So I made my own damn stuffing. Oh, good and, for you. Uh, nice. I've been mining my way through the brick. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Patreon plug. Thank you, patrons on Patreon. Is it patrons? Do we actually have an answer to that? I call them patrons. Okay. Well, thank I you to those, Patreons. to those people. <laughs> I call them um, patroids. <laughs> okay, that's that's Patriot it. That's Prime. the new thing. <laughs> Thank you, Patriots, <laughs> um, for supporting the show. Uh, thank you to Bigger City as well for being a constant. Uh, uh, what's the thing? Not advertiser. Jesus Christ. Sponsor. Sponsor. That's the word that I that my brain forgot temporarily. Sponsoids. No, no, no. <laughs> that doesn't work a bit. <laughs> yes, don't be crazy, Trevor. Um, also, a, a quick reminder that uh, this weekend, the weekend after this episode launches uh, on Sunday at twelve noon Pacific. And by Standard Sunday, time, you mean December what? December third at twelve noon Pacific Standard Time. We are doing our live big fat gay holiday spectacular mm-hmm. uh we're gonna have prizes we're gonna have drinks and recipes and tips for the presents and a clown and a Ooh. wait no <laughs> clown <laughs> um i i will say the i already the, got the makeup oh the giveaways came and i was gonna show you but dan's like no it should be a surprise for I wanted, everyone i wanted to be a surprise for as many people as possible including it's, uh michael and don yeah, yeah. i like that. so exciting I like that. i'm into it 
I'm very, uh, it's, they're really cool. I, I want to show them, but they're downstairs. No, Dan. no, no. Bad job. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> I, 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 I. <laughs> Michael, um, take us. With that, let's. Uh... Breaking news. Podcast editor Michael here from the future, which is actually your past, but it's the future of the people recording this episode who forgot to mention. That we will be watching the movie Genie in a couple uh, and talking about it in a couple weeks. Uh, the movie is a Melissa McCarthy movie. Uh, it's Christmassy. It's holiday season-y. And uh, it looks like a lot of fun. So um, we are going to watch that. If you want to watch that with us, the episode will be coming out on December 13th, which is two weeks from the date that this episode comes out. So you got plenty of time to settle down. Um, it is streaming on Peacock, I believe. Um, spoiler, spoiler alert. I've already seen it. And yeah, that's all I'm going to say about that. But I've already seen it. And I think you should, too. Um, OK. Back to the episode. Let's just careen down the road. Ooh, um, jazz careen. hands and tap shoes. Thank you, everybody, for not attempting to sing along to that. <laughs> I uh, I tried to edit that in the show, and uh, it didn't work. We have lag, if yeah. case anyone hadn't noticed. Um. But we do our best. We never attempt to sing along. We always do sing along. I would strongly debate that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so first up in the hopper, according to Yahoo Yahoo Sports, Sports. for some reason. It should be said that this was such a big deal on TikTok that Next Shark picked it up, and then Yahoo Sports... It has nothing to do with sports. It's it nothing it to do with sports. This this is a a no, subway fat phobia station. Phobia is now a sport. Yeah, so oh. a subway station in Seoul, South Korea, and it should be said this is a rather major subway station. If you're familiar with the New York subway system, this would be like you know, some, like the Queensboro, like some Queensboro stop. It, it's like it's it's not it's off the beaten track, but it is definitely like where a lot of lines come together. And there is a little decal on the floor. And the decal on the floor on the left has a picture of like the sort of icon you'd see for a, like a men's room. Straight and then on the right, yeah. it's an, yeah. And on the right, it's an icon of like Baymax, like chubby guy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the arrows point in diverging Thick directions. Thighs. And basically the, the, the fat icon is pointing towards the escalator, whereas the thin person is pointing towards the stairs. And you can imagine the outrage, you know, that went on this now viral TikTok video and people in the comments having a lot of different takes on why this is fat phobic. Nobody seems to really agree on why that is. Maybe it's saying that, you know, the fat people uh, can't take the stairs. And so they or maybe it's saying that you'll lose weight. You'll become thin if you Mm -hmm. take the stairs. Um, I think it's like. What, or, or, oh, better yet, people who, you know, might have a disability that need to take the escalator, but are feeling fat shamed, like, oh, only fat people would take an yeah, escalator. He, here's the it's problem. so stupid. No, what, I mean, look, the basic problem is that this is not about being fat or thin. There are lots of fat people who can take the stairs and lots of thin people who can't. It has nothing to do with whether you're fat or not. What right. I Here's what I want to know. Here's what I want to know. Unfortunately, the person who posted this on TikTok did not do the translation. If you look at the at the image, there's all this writing on the mm-hmm. thin person half and mm-hmm. I, and nothing on the fat person half. Like, what do we need to say? You're fat. And on the thin side, there's all this writing and I would love to know what it's discussing. 
Nobody's translated that? It's not, it's not, not that article. I can see. Not that I can see. And the other thing that I would point out is it's not like a helping like pathfinder. Like this is no. not around the corner like, oh gosh, where are the stairs? Where is the escalator? Yeah. Well, we're not going to tell you. But no, mm-hmm. it is literally like 10 feet in front of the escalator pointing yeah. out that fat people use escalators. That's, you know? <laughs> that's sort of the biggest point to me. It's like there's no, there's it doesn't mean anything. It's literally like no, it's this not direction- this direction to explore your biases of straight sizeism. This direction to explore your fat phobia. Because <laughs> yeah, there's had, no other uh, context given. It's fat what, bodies this way, thin bodies that way. No, but my point is, you yeah. would see the escalator long before you'd see this sign. Right. It's not really helping anybody. <laughs> yeah, but it's not helping whatever. Anybody. Yeah. 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 I it's it's hard to parse, but as you can imagine, there's quite a bit of uproar about it. I feel like I've seen like photos of this on reddit like years ago probably and there's others and having been reported as far back as 2013 so up to a yeah. decade ago yeah 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 um and i don't know i always think it's interesting to see things like this redigested through uh the western public discourse well yeah. and western public discourse usually uh because what's what's interesting is although a lot of asian cultures are highly anti-fat uh, they don't have the same shame around this. Like in America, you'd be like, oh, don't call them fat. That's so nasty. Whereas in Asian cultures, like they're fat. What do you want me to say? Hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's much, there's no taboo around mentioning it. And so yeah. you do get signs like this. Yeah. It, to me, a lo- the, the story is really in the comments on the video, not so much the Absolutely. actual thing itself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, this stuff that is dicey, that kind of sucks to get into is stuff like, you know, oh, you know, in this article, it's shown, oh, people agreeing with the message saying, oh, it means this, you know, you use the stairs and you'll get in good shape, which just sort of perpetuates this weird, like yeah. exercise equals yes, weight loss yes, equals yes, fitness yes, equals yes. health thing. No, it's always funny to see how people defend anti-fat bias. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Without knowing what that writing says, it's hard to put that on South Korea. Well, I think I think just the decal <laughs> is enough. I'm I'm OK with putting that on i think it's probably some public health thing and yeah i mean that there was not any discussion of like well how could this affect people's mental health by you know like what if that's not a fat person what if that's just somebody wearing pads because the escalator (laughs) is you know dangerous it's been broken in the past like i don't know it's i see so basically it is being bad graphic design work honestly like (laughs) that's what i was saying like it's there's no additional context. It's just this is a fat person arrow this way. So what you're like, saying really is you it, know what that means. That means nothing. So what you're saying is it's that like runners this way and hockey goalies that way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or, or Baymax. Baymax. Just, yeah. <laughs> or Baymax. 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 Yeah. Our our next article is is a lot more um uplifting. I love it. It's I love uplifting. It. Yes. This is from uh, the magazine Fashionista and the headline fat, uh, I'm sorry, (laughs) fashion schools. (laughs) Oh, well, where's my mind? Fashion schools addressing size inclusivity. And this is absolutely true. I remember I was at a conference in Toronto in 2019. And one of the speakers at this eating disorders conference was the director of a fashion school in Vancouver, talking about getting the students to design more inclusively for size, for disability, things like that. And so this article is uh, about the schools that are training the next uh, cadre of fashion designers and really pushing 
for inclusivity in terms of size and disability. And in many cases, it's the students pressuring the faculty for this. Yeah. That's yeah. the thing that I thought was very cool was these, the, the talking about how the students were requesting um, you know, alternatives, not just to size, but also to gender identity and, and how they learn about fashion and how they can make their own designs while they're in school. Um, I thought that was really cool. And the way that they said it was like, once these, you know, once the current generation is in charge in, you know, 15, 20 years, you're going to see a, a total shift, which I mean, doesn't help us in the interim well, time, well, but <laughs> I actually wanted to pitch this in one. Cause that's what I was thinking. Oh, great. All we have to do is wait 10 to 20 years for them to, <laughs> for them to run Vogue or something. All we have to do is survive 10 to 20 yeah. years. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Actually what I love is that, uh, uh, FIT, which is the fashion Institute, Institute of technology. technology. Yeah. Uh, they launched this thing called inclusive fashion pattern making course, and it is a continuing education course that will help create and grade patterns for plus size customers and give an overview with a, 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 a size chart creation and measurement data and marketing. Hmm. So basically, what if you're already in the fashion industry? What do you do? And FIT has created this resource, Inclusive Fashion Pattern Making. It's kind of like how doctors have to continually stay up to date with modern medical practices. Absolutely. Like you <laughs> yeah, because doctor I feel I I feel like there's a lot of doctors that don't do don't that. do that. And yeah. they're just like, oh, let's have a, an yeah. apple a day. <laughs> Sport. The other thing I really loved about this is uh there's uh Farai Simoyi, who's the uh, assistant professor and program director of of uh, fashion design at the top at Thomas Jefferson University. So this was really interesting. Um, he's talking about how graphic designers or media students now have to understand that marketing the product is as important as designing it. So mm -hmm. he's talking about how it's not just about having plus size fashion. It's about how do you market plus size fashion in a way that's not, you know, either, oh yeah, we got these sizes too, or, you know. Hey fatty. Hey fatty. <laughs> Want to buy some drapes? Which I think is going to be so important, I think particularly for the men's market, because, you know, so many times the women are ahead of us in in all things fat fashion and mm -hmm. fat liberation. And I think it'll be really important to get the guys on board with wearing stuff like this. I mean, I think it's gotten better just in the past couple of years because, it you know, big and tall stuff, it was always the the tall models that they would, you know, yeah. shoot for things. And now it's like, oh, there's actually, you know, a broad model who is <laughs> larger, larger. Um, Interesting. And I'm so, I, you know, it used to be that if you were shopping with a big guy, you could basically point out the black, the brown, or the navy option in any mm -hmm. like black, brown, navy, black, brown, navy, black, brown, right. navy. And if there was color, it was like you know, rust. forest green or something. Forest yeah. green, like earth oh my tones god. is what oh you my got. God, because basically, if you were fat, you were supposed to wear camouflage. Mm -hmm. Right, right. You have to blend in. Yeah. I love that um, they're also working on sustainability and greenwashing. Yes. And I would love to see that coincide and work with uh, plus size clothes because that's just everything I can buy is synthetic. Yeah. And just I would love clothes that are not releasing plus, you know, microplastics yeah. every time I wash them. Yeah. Um, I. I really all like the, all the, the most attractive clothing I've seen. Like they don't make materials for big guys that breathe. Apparently it's very weird. Ugh. I really like the focus as Trevor was saying on 
not not just you know having sustainable materials, but also garments that are in, designed to last, mm-hmm. um, rather than you know just make something for the season and then it falls apart in you know seven months or so. Um, having something that is designed like as people grow, they tend to gain weight um, usually just naturally, and having garments that can accommodate that to some degree and having that in the design of those garments. Um, that's um, a lot of very forward thinking um, points of view. I think that goes back to really kind of the, like the students and, you know, I guess Gen, are they Gen Z? Are they Gen Alpha? Whatever. I think the Gen youth. Z is starting to get out of school now. This might um, be the younger one. <laughs> the, the youth, I'll just say. <laughs> like, I feel it's like the young Gen Z and, you know, <laughs> oh God, elder youths. Gen Alpha um, pushing back against synthetic fabrics. I saw this article about, it was like this thing on TikTok of people, you know, sharing like i bought this you know advertised as wool coat and it's all acrylic whoa but it's oh. sold as you know yeah. whatever wool coat. w period like, dot period. yes <laughs> o, o dot you know wool it style this, it creates this very weird dynamic where like they it's this fast fashion right that for clothing you're going to wear for a week or two but the clothing itself is made of materials that will outlast your you period it's going to yes. exist in the mm-hmm. world far longer than you did, like decades after you've forgotten about it. Oh, a century. So. Yeah. <laughs> I like the idea that there will be a, when we kill the planet, the acrylic based life forms <laughs> will rise up. <laughs> but what will they wear? <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, it's very, very cool stuff. And continuing our, our fashion uh, yes. theme for the middle part of the episode. Oh God, where is it? There we go. It's it's Fat Watch 2023. I love like the middle of the episode we get that shot of dopamine from yeah. the yeah! Fat Watch music. <laughs> <laughs> it's um it's like the in the, uh, the Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit or whatever. It's like all the fashion designers riding on eagles <laughs> <laughs> swooping in to save us at the very end. Yes. And then we all go, "Couldn't you have just done this the whole time?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh. They were sewing, Michael. <laughs> well, so, so now uh, in Fashion Magazine, there is a, a feature on uh, Nikhil Kapoor, who is changing the look of plus size men's fashion. And actually he, kind of to keep the whole like, um, I don't know, we're Lord of the Rings vibes, <laughs> sci, uh, sci-fi fantasy vibes. Um, he uh, talks about uh, at the end of the article, Doctor Who and... When I saw that, I'm like, oh, I feel like that gives me a whole new context to his style. <laughs> oh, that's yes. interesting. Yes. So yes. so who is Nikhil? He is, uh, okay, an overachiever, some might oh, say. Yeah. He's got all these degrees and he decided to go to law school instead of medical school because he thought it would be a little bit less, a little bit easier, you know, as law school is. And during all of these <laughs> many, you know, self-improvement, self-advancement projects, he's also designing clothes. Um, well, because has, he had nothing to wear. Because he yeah. had, exactly, as he was developing his fashion in his 20s, as most of us do, realized there was very, you know, very little for him to choose from. And uh, started a couple different sort of thrusts of it. And currently, his fashion brand is called Posh Heat. Posh yes. Heat. I love um, it. A very cool name. Um, and he's kind of blowing up right now. He had posted a, a TikTok that was... Um, the, t- the sort of the setup to the title of it was 
uh, when plus size men's fashion Pinterest inspiration doesn't exist. And then he mm-hmm. kind of shows like a standard, like, a, you know, a model of a female model wearing an outfit as like a Pinterest, uh, you know, inspiration. And then he walks out with his own version of that same outfit and kind of does mm-hmm. a spin and shows it off. And it kind of goes like that. And he shows all the different ways that he can kind of accomplish these looks himself. Um, and it's super cool. The I like the origin story of that, or his origin story, is that he was noticing how in the men's section, there is no plus size men's section. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you you look at whatever there is, and and I don't know, maybe this is either for better or for worse, but you know, you look at the pants and they go up to whatever size they go up to. Whereas in the women's section, there is a specific section of plus size. And so he kept going there because he's like, well, I know that'll fit me. So he ended up mm-hmm. he he worked he wore a lot of clothes that he would steal from the women's section. And some of it is very androgynous, like you know, jackets. Right. Or, you know, or wraps or things like that. Uh, but it's interesting what he does with it. It's really, it's really kind of cool. Yeah. It's, it's also creative. interesting that it, it made me really understand, like it, it put into terms that whenever I go to a big and tall men's store, I only see three fashions, right? You see street, like street thug sportswear, you mm-hmm. see work casual, business casual, and then you see sort of a a blank t-shirt. No, it's, yeah. I would call it, it's dad core. Yeah. Dad core. <laughs> it's like as okay. devoid of fashion style as possible to make it as yeah. inoffensive for any situation as possible mm-hmm. and easy and to that's it. design in mass. And so airport. when I saw his mm-hmm. offerings, I have to admit like the, the very feminine look of the clothes that he was demonstrating were not things I found appealing to me. In that particular, that one thing, I have to say, I did it more of it to a deep dive of his, his, his uh, creations. And I actually liked his broad, broader spectrum a lot more than what I saw um, sampled in this particular example. But it made me realize, like, I am not used to seeing clothes that are made for me, right? Like that you can get in a big and tall mm-hmm. made for my body that you can't get for a smaller body. Love Which it. implies that they think that anything that would look good on a thin person would look good on a fat person and vice versa. That's bad thinking, right? Yeah. He has put a little more thought that as your body changes, there may be new styles that will work on a bigger person that are just not considered for smaller people. So they're not put into the mainstream for us to consume. The Your Don's point about the three styles kind of just made me think of like – I think there's more than three, but I think it's very limited and that, you know, we don't, as a society, (laughs) we don't talk about the fat goth to biker pipeline. (laughs) (laughs) You are so right. You are so right. That is the only real, like, so I'm like, where are the like fat adult goth? It's like they become bikers because that is where, where things can only go. Yeah. Yeah. Because if, if if you're wearing a big black a big big black hoodie, that that evolves into a big black leather coat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One thing I I really like, it, at least based on the the photos in the article, is his style. To me, really doesn't present as mask or femme. It's sort of just fashion. It just yeah. has you know has layers and and sharp angles, and it feels like you know this is not just a person who's dressing himself. This is a person who's taking garments and making a statement with them, something that, you know, your everyday person is not necessarily going to do, 
but it looks great. It looks interesting and cool and shows off his uniqueness. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's true. And I think Don's point is well taken that, you know, what he wears himself uh, is pretty androgynous, uh, in some cases feminine because it's pulled from the with the women's section. But in his more general designs, uh, it's it's a much broader range of style and line and flow. I mean, I uh, I have recently really found like, Pants just don't work for me. No, pants are a they, terrible idea for a fat person. Pants are the worst. <laughs> that is, Band, I was waiting to say pants. the same thing, Trevor. Yep. Yes. And because my body is two different sizes depending on if I am standing or sitting. Yep. And um, I guess uh, this is a, sh- a, a good time to shout this out. I, you know, when we were going to New York, I was like, I need pants for New York. It's going to be cold. And uh, One Bone brand has can't remember exactly what they call them. They're a like kind of cross between like lounger pants and something that looks like jeans. And those saved my life in New oh, York. Because and they really they are, look good. Yeah. They're stretchy. They have an elastic waist. What was the brand again, Trevor? One bone brand. Like um, not two bones, but one bone. One bone. Only. No, <laughs> just no, no bones, just one bone. Um, and also like, you know, um, the super fit hero, I got some of the long leggings and that is just, I think ha- what I have to do at this point, because like getting pants from, uh, um, king size direct, I don't know, like, you don't know what you're going to get. I need to speak to the manager. I need to go <laughs> into the boardroom and throw those pa- giant balloon pants on they clearly the boardroom don't table. have an understanding of what happened, of what you're talking about sitting yes. and standing. And, and they're like, I, it's, they, they say, they advertise stretch. Where is the stretch? Well, because here's the, here's the problem. The stretch, Where's the that, stretch, the stretch that they're talking about is one or two inches. The stretch that you need is like a foot. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I really appreciated about Nikhil Kapoor's stuff. When I was looking at his materials, even though it wasn't necessarily to my tastes, I will say I looked at the pants he was wearing and I'm like, he understands what's going to happen to my body yes. when mm-hmm. I sit down. Those pants are not going to be... Uh, I, shall we say overly revealing when I decide to sit down by, you know, putting the outline of everything I own on the front of my body because it is rapidly changed and they didn't take into consideration what a belly does underneath that, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's very, very cool to see such, such positive strides happening in the fashion world. And it's always good, I think, to just take a moment to recognize what seems like forward progress because a lot of what we talk about is really just one step forward, two steps back, like feeling that the weight of the, you know, the world not shifting the way we want it to. And like, these are strides in the right mm-hmm. direction. And that's absolutely, very, very cool. I want to be friends with Nikhil. He just seems yeah. like, I, cool. I feel like it's like, I'm like, I don't know. It's like, if my life were a CW show, he would be your like <laughs> best British friend who like comes in with a cigarette and it's like, let's, that's, I'm not going to try to do it. <laughs> I just like, I'm not going to try to do a British accent. British listeners. <laughs> yeah. Um, but oh. like, let's get you ready for the, the fashion award <laughs> thing, oh. Trevor. Yeah. You really wanted that. You really wanted a stylist before. Yeah. We oh, before the, the, yeah. Um, the award ceremony. Well, you looked great regardless. And if, yes. if you want to see his acceptance speech, I think it's, did we post it broad? I, I didn't post it media. broad yet because we were going to try to get a 
like do the whole thing, put it on the website with us, with our awards. Oh, right. We need to, and we haven't gotten a chance to take the picture. Yet. Yeah. Well, it's coming soon, probably after this weekend, maybe sometime next week, we'll have a picture of all of us and our awards. And Trevor did an acceptance speech, which was really eloquent and beautiful. And we're going to post that too. It's on Patreon currently, if you're impatient. Um, but at any rate, let's get into our main subject. Um yes. Coming out of, you know, a lot of us coming out of Thanksgiving, which side note, yeah. apparently Canada also has a Thanksgiving. I didn't realize <laughs> it's not oh, in November. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. boy. <laughs> well, Michael, we're going to we're going to hear all about that now. <laughs> oh, Michael, I, I mean, I just grew up in Canada. Why would I ever uh, have known that? I have a Canadian uh, friend that I was talking to about it. Anyway. You'll be sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, um, you know it's a bad sign when you got to pull out the Canadian. I've got a Canadian friend. I'm not a Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good sign. His name is And James. he speaks excellent English. <laughs> oh, no, he's God. not French so well spoken. <laughs> <laughs> this is all very uncomfortable, and I'm probably going to cut it from the show. Um, you know, we all just uh, had at least all of us on the show had a really large fun sort of gathering meal included lots of eating and festivities and kind of wanted to talk about uh, food shame and kind of the things that come up for some people when, you know, you kind of have this obligatory um, shared eating experience, usually quite a bit of food, quite heavy food, delicious food um, and how that occurs to people, uh, especially when the holidays aren't over yet. And usually there's something for, you know, thank, uh, Hanukkah, Christmas, any of the um, celebrations you might have around this time of year uh, that aren't over yet. And so kind of addressing how do these things make you feel? How can you manage, you know, say guilt, um, which I think a lot of people experience after um, eating large meals and stuff like that. And uh, I, I know personally for myself to start us off that um, I've had to really reconcile uh food shame and body shame like this year in particular i've been dealing with some some health problems that have really just made it impossible to to have any sense of control over my body which is the first time really in my life that that's been the case um i've typically had the privilege of like if i choose to just like exercise and eat a certain way i'll slim down and if i don't do that i'll gain some weight um and right now i just don't have the choice i'm just I'm going to gain some weight while I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And I've had to kind of make my peace with that. And it, it is not easy. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you guys are familiar with that feeling, but um, it, it's taken most of this year to really get to a place of like, you know, and I will say the only thing I really have to tell myself that that helps substantially is this is temporary, which is not always the case for people. Uh, usually mm -hmm. not the case for the majority. Usually yeah. Not. Yeah. yeah. So like that is still not a fully resolved thing for me. Um, but coming out of Thanksgiving, I think the easiest thing was to to focus on the communal aspect of eating a meal. Like, you know, to enjoy the food, not just because you're so fixated on the dish, but because you're enjoying it yeah. with family and friends. Mm -hmm. um, of course, afterwards is a different story. But one of the things that, you know, when we're dealing with food shame, right, is to understand where your food shame comes from, because we all get it from different places, right? So, like, for me, I, I we've talked about it on the show, a lot of us have the family members, especially when you come from a very food-centric family with cooks that love to provide food, where food is 
sort of a vehicle for celebration, a vehicle for rewards, a vehicle for tragedy, a vehicle for a slow afternoon. You know, it's it's uh, but while everyone else gets to participate in it and share in it, uh, there's uh, for some of us, there are family members that told us that was not for you. Mm. Right. That mm. is not something you're supposed to participate in because you're fat. Right. This this celebration is for thin people. Thin fat people don't get to have it. So I know for me, one of my big triggers is just like, you know, foods that are supposed to convey joy or seasonal expressions um, are things I'm not supposed to have because they're extra foods. And even decades after the damage, I'm I'm around this time of year, I still have that little itch at the back of my head when I'm having my my chai tea latte, right? Mm-hmm. That is something I'm not supposed to have. You're supposed to have a plain tea oh. you know, with no sugar. Yeah. No, cream. not even yeah. lemon. Cause there's, yeah, you know, that, yeah. that's, that's decadent, you know? So All understanding the, the origins of your food shame, where you get it from is probably one of the few things that you can really do to take it in hand and, and grapple with it. Well, it's hard to address it until you know where you got it. I would like to just add on to that. Knowing where it comes from is half of it. Letting it go is the other half and the much more difficult half. But you can't let it go until you know where you got it. Yeah. And, and just not giving it that kind of, just because it was the case doesn't mean it must be the case. Mm -hmm. Yes. That I totally agree with. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted to kind of amplify or broaden this idea of shame because it's, People may not perceive it as shame, and certainly a lot of thin people have food shame. A lot of thin people, and but sometimes it's it's more like like having you know grown up a fat kid and then getting into bodybuilding. Like I don't think I w- had anything that I would call food shame, but I have a persistent and constant awareness of food. Like food is never mm. just food. Food is never just the taste. Food mm-hmm. is also has to varying degrees, some sort of like, what is the macronutrient makeup of this? How is the protein content of that? What is the fat to protein ratio on this? Is there too much fat? If I did this, what I want to do, like, and it's not even about shame. It's about calculation or strategizing. And I think a lot of thin people, if they, even if they don't have shame, there's a lot of focus on should, shouldn't, should, shouldn't, better, worse, better, worse, better, worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really have the like thing of shouldn't, but I have a lot of like hyper awareness of like, oh, I'm like not eating this kind of food and like my diet isn't really balanced right now. And like I should be having, you know, the more food fruit pyramid. Or more vegetables or like I should. Yeah. You know, um, which I guess is now there's stairs on the food pyramid. <laughs> I guess, back to the start, the start of the episode. It's a food ziggurat. <laughs> um, and. Like I had all my weird food stuff. Like my mom tried really hard to not give us com- the same complexes she got, which gave us all different complexes. All new ones. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Every generation innovates. Like recently she was talking about this whole thing with like, you know, breakfast. And I don't even know how we got on it, but she's like, you know, I just, I need to have a muffin in the morning and like you know it's like i can have my yogurt and my fruit but i just i need a muffin and like or something you can't you can't just have yogurt and fruit you need i need need some carb and it's like yeah because like that's you like my mom doesn't eat a lot and it's like yes you need carbs so you can have power too (laughs) and especially in the morning especially in the morning and just it's it was interesting kind of um doing the post thanksgiving thing with my mom because she 
did not have a great Thanksgiving. And I think part of it, like she was very, felt very weird about the amount of food there was at Thanksgiving. Like that there was, oh, there was too much food. It was just, Hmm. it was too much. And also I think this may have been her first sober Thanksgiving. Oh, because she quit drinking recently. And I was, I know it was last year, but I can't remember when. And I think she still like, you know, had wine or a couple of cocktails last Thanksgiving. <laughs> so I think it was a different experience. I think what you're saying is she was sober this year and it was so much worse. Yeah. And I mean, I think, I think that may have been what really oh, did it because it's, I don't, I don't know. It looks like I picked the wrong holiday to give up drinking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I think that just changes the whole dynamic. And I think also like, I don't, you know, my brother-in-law wasn't drinking. My sister wasn't drinking and my brother was, and I think really? that's just, yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, of course. Uh, um, <laughs> and I Silly think me. it's just an, an interesting thing. And I think something that she didn't really take into account. And I think also maybe um, drinking lessened some of that like background noise she has about food stuff. Yeah. It, um, it, so it, that kind of ties into what I was going to say, which is kind of that hyper awareness that Dan was talking about. Like if you're not numbing your senses with drinking, you're mm-hmm. hyper aware of like what you're eating and how you feel after you eat. And for me, there's a lot of like analysis just being yeah. in a state yeah. of self-analysis and like, well, how much was too much and how do I feel right now? And I wish I didn't feel this way. And it's like, it, you know, sometimes, and this is not, I won't say this is necessarily easy for people to pick up and learn, but just saying, you know what, this is how I feel right now. I do feel some food shame right now. That is okay. I can just be with that. I don't have to live in that moment and an- analyze and say, well, I got to fix it. I got to make it this. I got to change it. I got to bl- get the if that is the way that you feel, it just is. And it doesn't have to be good or bad. It just is. And it won't always be the case. And eventually you will, and you, that may even help you just well, live it'll, with it. it. It'll only get worse if you deny it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or if you try and fight it, if you try and like yeah. brute force your way through it. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's worse. I, I want to piggyback on that because I think this is important. Being aware of that psychic noise that we're talking about, right? And when you realize how much background energy you're putting into that, Mm. the amount of peace you can get from figuring out a way to try and just to put it aside. I think that's why so that's one of the reasons why drinking during the holidays works so well for people is Mm because it helps clear the noise for some folks. Um, And that awareness of food right even even if you're not grappling it in the moment you're you're calculating through all these thousands and thousands of calculations that dan and michael are talking about it's exhausting (laughs) even if you're not aware of it right (laughs) well one of the things that helped me was getting rid of this idea that i'll only get to have this food once like, that is so not true. I mean, really, I promise you people, pumpkin pie is is widely available besides this one day a year. Like, you can have the pumpkin pie anytime you want. Turkey, they sell turkeys other times a year. You can mm-hmm. have turkey anytime you want. It, there is no scarcity of any of these dishes. You can always make them for yourselves. It's not like you have to have as much as you can in this one 24-hour window or something. <laughs> make stuffing more often. Absolutely. Stuffing is a food that is slept on. 
That's what I did. <laughs> I, I didn't get my stuffing fix for Thanksgiving. So I went out and I bought two damn boxes of stuffing and it's going to keep me going through December. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. No, this, there, there's this illusion of holiday food scarcity. That's simply not true. Now, is there a scarcity of like enjoying it with people? Well, maybe particular people, but just invite friends over in the next time you make stuffing and there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like there's a, a good sort of lesson in that, which is, you know, just generally not fixating like to, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. if that's your thing. I know not everybody I, has that that overthinking gene that I've got. But if you do. Yeah, I think also just like I think aware like, you know, there's the hyper awareness. But then I think awareness can also be good because I think just taking time to think about what you're eating, what you've eaten, what you you know, maybe your body is craving. We're like, oh, I kind of want some vegetables. Like, not that I should have vegetables, but like, oh, my body is aware that I haven't had vegetables. Maybe I should have some, you know, get some nutrients, get some iron, some other things that the food pyramid told me you're supposed <laughs> to have. I, I am not a vegetarian, but a few days after Thanksgiving is almost, I, I almost always want a salad day at some point. <laughs> you know, I've had a couple lunches where it's just a big bowl of frozen vegetables that I've mm-hmm. made well because like I can't take any more stuffing. I, I want to know, do, does anybody else, this isn't a big deal for me, but I, I do have this idea because there are a lot of Thanksgiving foods that I do not enjoy. Green bean casserole, not my thing. Uh, cranberry sauce, usually ah. not. And mashed potatoes, I am famous for disliking. So I don't there, even know you anymore. Yeah, I know. So there's a, but I wonder, I, I kind of feel like, oh, I really should take that. And if I'm over at somebody else's house, like then you're even more obligated, like, no, oh. you should try it. Oh, I see. I, do, do, do people, do people feel a sense of guilt at not taking certain foods? Like I don't mm-hmm. like it, but I should, it's Thanksgiving. I, I used to, but I just, yeah. am like, I don't know. <clears throat> That's not a part of me anymore. I do. <laughs> but my, it used my, to be, but it used to be. It's yeah. for me, yeah. it's more along the lines of, you know, participating in somebody else's fancy meal, you know, not having that sense of comparison because, mm. you know, not to overstate it, but the fancy meals that my family prepares tend to be pretty fucking great and it's hard to measure up to that for a standard you know everyday family who's just making a you know or picking up a meal from somewhere pre-made and not having that sense of comparison like that's more the one that I have to just really mentally separate myself from and just enjoy it for what it is I think I have the opposite experience of you, Dan, where you're talking about like, well, you know, there'll always be turkey. There'll always be mashed, that mashed potatoes. Now, yeah. I've always been around really good cooks, right, who can never reproduce the same dish. So for me, I have an opposite <laughs> experience. If I don't try that dish you made this time, I may never have the chance of trying this variation of it ever again. Yeah. Right? So for me, the real horror mm. story begins with people like my mother. Right. Um, no. Uh, you know, longtime listeners of the show will be shocked to discover that there are traumas. There are certain traumas associated with Don's mother. <laughs> very justified, very terrifying uh, traumas. <laughs> my mother's Thanksgiving experience is one of making these wonderful foods that she will never like never be able to reproduce again. My mother is literally incapable of making the same dish twice. She just can't. Mm. Um, she wouldn't know how. And then like 
physically attacking anyone who like would like me who would try and sample it. <laughs> um, we try and, and sample it and shaming. Wait, yeah, absolutely. So like, like I, mean tr- the one so- time my mom came out to thanks for Thanksgiving in Los Angeles, I worked really hard to make a good meal. Right. And then she would criticize me before every bite of oh like, are you, you really, really, should you have that? Like that? Mm, mm, no. And uh. she wouldn't eat it. Right. Because no, it's too decadent. Like this is, it, you know, just because it's Thanksgiving doesn't oh, mean you should man. have pumpkin pie. Ugh. Right. And that's ah, that not that rare an experience. I, I feel like a lot of people have someone in their family. No. And oh, absolutely. It just, person, it just varies by frequency. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It varies by frequency. And they've embedded themselves in our heads. That's what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. This voice of denial robbing you of the joy of the occasion. I right? see. Yes. 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 Um, I mean, my, for my, I am aware of it because, but you know, my grandma was like, she was not like, oh, have a cookie. It was, her thing was like, isn't that ridiculous? It was, and it was always, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And it's always like, oh, it's, you know, it was always too much or too little. So if she got into your, under your skin about like, oh, well, you shouldn't have a cookie. It's like, oh, you're not going to have a cookie. I think you God. mean like like oh you're yeah. not gonna have a cookie my goodness why aren't you having cookies I yeah put them out and for then you and then you have cookies it's like oh that's too many cookies what look how many yeah. cookies you ate you bad thing yeah. it's that catch twenty two of you know like these people <laughs> yeah. have put so much work into providing this stuff do you insult them by eating it or do you insult them by not eating it like you can't by win, the way you know by the way I would I kind of want to take this out of the holiday frame and put it back in the chub chaser frame I have heard from many chubs who have talked about how they had this chaser over, right? And the chaser stays to the morning and the chaser has an amazing time with this, with this chub's amazingly fat, beautiful body. And then the next morning, the chaser actually says, Oh my God, are you going to eat that? Oh yeah. Like you're going to eat pancakes Uh coming from chasers. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah, it's yes. awful. It's because they haven't reconciled with themselves. They mm. Yeah, they haven't reconciled. I'm, a, their I'm own glad food I haven't shame. hit that. I don't know yeah. how I react to that. It can be for a lot, their their own food shame or their own. And it, it, it goes the reversed way too, but it's not as toxic. Like when a chub says to a chaser, as chubs have said to me, like, oh my God, I can't believe that you're eating that. Well, I guess you can afford to. And it's, it's just yuck. Look, it's just their own food chain and I will call them on it, but it's, it happens both ways. I think it comes back to the whole thing of people, you know, having developed food complexes. And I think also, uh, there's a good chunk of, as it always comes back to racism in Mm. like weird food, shamey stuff, because it's so often just like, oh, that's foreign. I don't understand what that is. That's disgusting. Why would you eat that? I don't. Or you know. even just as simple as, oh, you know, God, how can you possibly eat that much fried chicken? That is just so bad for you. That is all those fried foods. Oh, that. And, it, and it's just like, are oh, you kidding yeah. me? Oh, my God. Like, just let people live. Anyway, I we, we're on a roll, but I feel like we could keep going, but we should we should probably wrap up. Mm-hmm. This is a topic that is evergreen, and I'm sure we will return to it again. So, uh, dear listener, if you want to... Uh, Chime in here on this one. I'm sure that uh, any reasoner, reader, listener letters will get gotten to eventually. Yeah, and I'm sure I could say that more eloquently. But yeah. we got to move on. Kit, <laughs> <laughs> write us about your holiday food stories. Yeah, I would love to hear listeners' tales of uh, 
food stuff because I think there's a lot to say there. Uh, we have, I guess we don't really have a tip today. Just a reminder to join us on December 3rd um, for, our, for our live Zoom. At 12 what are we doing on December 3rd? The live Zoom? Okay. The live Zoom mm-hmm. holiday spectacular. There's prizes. There's fun. There's us all in person with our chaotic in-person energy, which you guys haven't seen on Zoom before. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyone who went to the Bigger Vegas recording will understand what that means. <laughs> so, Don, take us into Bit. Bitland. <laughs> bit, bit, all bit. right. Since we were talking about food shame today, with with food being at the center of most of life's celebrations, tragedies, or slow afternoons, food guilt can suck the joy out of too many wonderful moments. Uh, With that in mind, when we take the moment to enjoy our favorite foods, we need to do it in the face of commonly accepted social shaming, the shade of the self-righteous foodie. We've all got something we love to eat that we think someone else is ready to throw shade on us for. But strange food is real food, and it deserves to be treated with the seriousness of any gourmet dish. So here are a couple dishes that are someone's favorite guilty pleasure. Pleasure. With each one, you need to pick the real-life cooking tip that you should keep in mind if you should ever make this dish for someone who loves it. Okay. Right? So first, we stop off in Japan for a lovely helping of shiokara. Shiokara is a Japanese delicacy of fermented squid intestines. It's stinky, it slimy, and a very acquired taste that Westerners will struggle to stomach. Yep, but if being you're going intestines. to... I mean, chitlins, look, we aren't any better. (laughs) (laughs) What should you keep in mind? One, the aromatics used must be whole or the dish will be bitter. Two, fermentation must take place in the squid's own viscera, meaning guts. Or three, sugar added must equal one quarter the weight of squid intestines used. Or four, the full mixture must be sealed airtight in a fish's bladder. Hmm. Oh, definitely the, fish. Definitely the fish's bladder. What yeah. is the most authentic <laughs> cooking thing? In this? I think the I'm, fish bladder. I'm almost inclined to say this is a trick question, and they're all true. But I'm going to go with the bladder. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also like squids have intestines. Okay, we got I'm, two for bladders. What did you think those tentacles were? <laughs> I'm going to say sugar, just because I feel like the other ones. Like I want to say the bladder, but I don't really know how airtight you could get a fish bladder. So I'm going to say sugar, just because. I'm feeling right. different. Well, the correct answer is if you're making real shiakara, the fermentation must take place in its own viscera. Uh, this is a dish oh, of oh, squid Jesus intestines Christ. just soaked in guts for a month on end. And uh, But we're not going to food shame anyone. If you love your shiakara, Who you enjoy your shiakara. tested that? Like, did it wrong enough times that they survived the testing process to get to the point that this is how it should be? Like, who... How do these things happen? I don't know. It's probably right. the same way that people came up with the recipe for blue cheese. Yeah, that's probably true. Let's not even get into the whole like uh, the maggot cheese <laughs> that they're famous for. Yep. All right. From Japan, we travel to Peru to enjoy some lovely kui, or as we know it here, guinea pig. It's a hugely popular dish in Peru and very easy to find. Uh, it has gained a reputation as a must-try dish for tourists visiting the country. And since it's traditionally uh, prepared for just about every special occasion, it's not that hard to find. Now, if you are making guinea pig for your, your special guests at home, um, you're obviously going to serve it with potatoes and vegetables, the way it's traditionally served. But what's the most popular way to serve the guinea pig meat itself aside from spit roasting, which everyone knows that's how you normally make it. What is the most popular way of preparing it? Hmm. One, frying it. Two, braising it. Three, drying it. Or four, 
boiling it. Oh, God, I hope it's not boiling it. I'm going to go with braising. I'm braising is also the direction. Yeah, we got two for braising. That's how we make ours. It's yeah. so small. It seems like it would. I'm going to say moisture. boiling. <gasps> boiling. Boiling. God. Wow. Okay. So I, I do not want to enjoy any of your guinea pig feasts because as we all know, frying is the way to prepare your uh, guinea pig. Okay. Uh, all right. Apparently I mean, it is. It, it's, it has a good sort of fat to meat ratio for frying. All right. Really? I see. Interesting. We're going to return to Japan for our dessert. Jibachi senbei are a Japanese snack that looks something like rice crackers. Known as wasp crackers, these snacks are, surprise, chock full of waspy goodness. How are wasps used in crackers when made correctly? One, one full-size wasp is encased in sugar and tops the cracker. Two, six to ten whole wasps are baked directly into the cracker. Three, Hundreds of wasp eggs are baked into the batter, but melt in the process of baking. Or four, the crackers have a dusting of powdered wasp. None of these are the ones I was thinking. So <laughs> I, 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 it's either the dusting or baked in. That's what I'm thinking. Oh. I think baked in. I think baked in. I was going to say like, like crushed and baked in, but. Uh, there, we have two that are baked in. One is six to 10 whole wasps are baked into the cracker. Whole, or Whole wasps. Oh, uh, no, no. Six, the, the, six to ten. The, the six whole to ten. Wasps, yeah. Yeah. Six to ten? Yeah. Okay, all three of you guys. If you're, not the getting the, if you're not getting the whole wasp, I just don't think it's complete nutritionally. <laughs> well, all three of you are, in fact, correct. Yay! Uh, Yay. These crackers have six to ten whole dagger wasps. Oh, dear. Them, which are big-ass wasps, complete with the stingers, and they're huge. Um, but <laughs> it, it, the, the crackers themselves kind of look like chocolate chip cookies. It's sort of surprising. Uh, I just love the idea that there are dagger wasps as opposed to like throwing star wasps. (laughs) (laughs) Chainsaw wasps. Chainsaw wasps. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, these crackers come from an area of Japan where these wasps have been part of the cuisine for centuries. And like uh, they have these bowls of rice with wasps in them as just part of a standard part of the cuisine. See, wasps in this country usually just have martinis and cheese boards. (laughs) 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 <laughs> but all these are celebratory foods. They're all real foods you can find around the world. So go out, check them out, see if you can get them near you. Trevor, if our listeners have some sort of a waspy confection that they would like to share with us, where could they do that? Well, send us your wasp recipes to where to. <laughs> oh, oh, God. We're on Instagram and Twitter as at Big Fat. Where? We're on Twitter as at Big Fat Gay Pod. We're on Facebook as the Big Fat Gay Podcast. Leave us five stars there. Leave us five stars on Apple Podcasts or any podcast platform. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash bigfatgaypod. See the articles we talked about at www.bigfatgaypod.com. Maybe, Baby. Maybe you're um you're having some wasp crackers as you listen, and you're like, what, what are these guys now? They're they're delicious. This is a normal thing. And then you pick up a cracker and it's us as wasps, and we're like, oh god. <laughs> Which means watch out. Uh,